This session of ADHD contains graphic descriptions of violence, gore, or sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And as always, we hope you enjoy. Start recording. Damn it. And I forgot Craig. I've been recording Audacity. Yeah, you said you were recording and I went to Audacity and started recording. And then I realized I was still editing an older... Or working on something so i closed that out of but you know you can't close out of something while you're recording so i had to stop recording and then i just forgot to start back up <laughs> um, so my recording will be way off time with yours but it's fine i think we've just been bullshitting yeah we could yeah, do stuff in the caldera line it up uh without him um, yeah because red we could just say red basically went off with solaria or something I, I've been really delving into Fizzbin's Treasury for Dragons, because, I mean, obviously it's all about dragons, so, and there's just so much cool stuff in here to use, like, the, the lair actions are just fun, and, like, you can build your own dungeon from it and everything with, like, specific lair actions, but there's also a lot of, like, uh, NPC and stat blocks for, like, uh, dragon followers, or Dragonborn Champions, which is a fun thing, too. So, I decided I was going to bring some of that into this session as well. Um, Could call um, the Dragon Sugar Dad, we could call them Fortune Forerunners. Fortune Forerunners. Hmm, that's not a bad one. It's a little bit much to say, though. Fortune for runners. Especially with me and my R's. Bounty begetter. <sighs> Bounty begetter. Ooh. <laughs> Cachet creator. Attache creator? Cachet, like uh, C-H- C-A-C-H-E. Cash or cachet. Oh, cash. Yeah, it's cash. Cash, a collection of items of the same type stored in a hidden or next. Well, that's not bad. Cash creator, cash. Hmm. Cash creator. I feel like that's their workplace title, but I don't know if that would be a good title for somebody, like as the a patron to somebody. Hmm. But it would go with the fact that I call their nests or like the places where the dra- young dragons are born, crashes. You know, C R E C H E. So it'd be Cash and Crash. I've got... So Parker and Blake have both confirmed that they are wanting to run Dungeon World for their next campaign. Ooh. It's their detective campaign, too, which I think will be way more interesting with those type of roles. (laughs) You you know I haven't even been using my Smite spells in addition to Divine Smite, like... I know. You've only just been using the Divine Smite. uh, And like, I mean, I could legitimately do if I cast if I cast Blinding Smite right now, and it's a bonus action, it does take concentration to maintain, but it's up to ten rounds of combat. Yeah. And it's the next attack, and it doesn't have to be a melee attack. You can use it with ranged weapons. Um, Divine Smite has to be melee, but just the smites don't have to be. It's any Mm -hmm. weapon attack that lands. Um, And it's Blinding Smite is 3d8. If I use a third level spell slot, then I'm doing an extra 4d8 from Divine Smite plus my weapon damage. Plus probably my bonus damage 
from having used um, my extra 1d4 radiant damage, um, which I haven't been adding to all. I should have even done more damage somehow in that last fight than I did because I didn't add my 1d4 damage to all of my attack rolls. And that's even without me using um, Great Weapon Master and rolling the dice on my minus 5 plus 10. As it stands right now, I've got a plus seven to my attack roll, so if I did take that, I'd still get a plus two to potentially add plus ten to my damage. Paladin smack. It's very simple. Yeah, they do. Especially, you're getting into those levels where you're doing some crazy, crazy shit. <sighs> and Dawnbreaker's a good weapon, but it's not a great weapon. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it was a starting weapon, so of course mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be too broken. That's why, I mean, you got Dawnbreaker, Jackie got the Rainbow Rapier, and then Brett got his magical uh, grappling hook. They weren't supposed to be, like, forever weapons, but it's also... I I have a hard time when you guys don't say, we're going to loot stuff for me to give you treasure. <laughs> and I don't ever think to say... I don't ever think to loot stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jackie and Brett were looting shit left and right. Brett, I have a list somewhere of... I, I stopped keeping track at one point, but I have a list of magical items that players have. And um, Brett, as Theron, has like a dozen magical weapons. Because he just kept getting them, and then... But he never did anything with them. He's got a flying sword he used like once. He's got like retrievable spears or something. He's got like some crazy shit that he just never, ever used. And it's just, it's insane to me. Um, well, I don't think he's going to get on, so we might as well just do something. Ugh. I'm looking at the uh, College of Spirits bard. I love what this what this class does in terms of, like, flavor. You roll a d12 uh, while you're holding your spiritual focus. You roll a d12, and the spirits tell you what tale um, that you can tell until your next uh, short or long rest. You can use an action to choose one creature you see within 30 feet of you to be the target of this tail's effect. And once you do, you can't bestow the tail's effect again until you roll it again. Uh, you can only retain one of these tails in mind at a time. Um, it's your spell save DC, but it's stuff like for the next 10 minutes, whenever a target makes an intelligence, wisdom, or a charisma check, the target can roll an extra die immediately after rolling the d20 and add the extra die's number to the check. Uh, the die is your bardic inspiration die. Things like make a melee spell attack on the target. On a hit, the target takes force damage equal to two rolls of your Bardic Inspiration die plus your Charisma modifier. That could actually smack. Um, God, it could get ridiculous. But, okay. Um, so, where exactly did we leave off last time? We It was uh, Bottle Opener was talking to the Foundry. Alright, let me do this. Uh, welcome to Adventuring Dimwits. <sighs> And hyperactive dragons. I like that I start this and then I almost, like, I have to adjust myself in my seat. Um, a real play tabletop podcast that uses D&D 5e to tell a story and mess around a bit. With me tonight is Carson. Hello. And I'm Orion the DM, because I keep forgetting to introduce myself. Um, <laughs> uh, we're supposed to, Brett is supposed to be with us, but he, uh, is just MIA right now. Uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna just go ahead and say a wall. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's away without leave. Um, he does not have my permission to not be here. Um, 
But because of where we are, we can kind of pull this with one person. It's funny because originally when we set up this campaign and when I set up just DMing in general, I wanted to have it so that way people could come and go as they were able to and we were able to run stuff without people being involved in the sessions. But once you start getting into an actual story-based campaign where, you know, you're trying to complete stuff, it's it's a lot harder to do that. <laughs> it's a lot harder to have, like, oh, yeah, someone's just going to be not here for one session. What's the explanation for that? Brent has taken advantage of the come-and-go-as-you-please policy. He's just done it with characters instead of himself. That's true. Um, so we... So let's see. We left off last session. With you guys entering a steam-shrouded valley. um, Basically a gorge, almost. Um, And once you got through most of the the warm, wet steam, you found yourself in, like, basically a massive... A massive area with tons of forges and you could hear the hammering of anvils going um people singing along with the two the the rhythm of the anvil the hammer striking the anvil and you saw a massive steel dragon i mean like when i say massive it is what's the best description for this it is a it's like a duraludon air it's, yeah, it's a Duraludon. It's like an airliner jet and then some. It's it's huge. And it was talking to Bottle Opener, who's a lot smaller than it. <laughs> um, and it was near like a big giant pit where water was running off down into from the many aqueducts that are used to help, you know, keep the, the forges going and everything. Um... I'm going to say Saloria, like, grabs red. Or no. Mm. No, I think... How do we want to... How do we want to get rid of Brett? Um, <laughs> I think his natural curiosity a, just led him away. Yeah, but I'm trying to decide if they would let him just roam, because this is a very secretive place, a, very, a place they don't want people just coming and going from. Also, giant dragon um, is probably the thing that's going to most catch red's eye, so... Yeah. He definitely would be curious about that. Um, I think what happens. Oh, and I was about to look up races to see which one. He's still I just shouting, "Bottle opener! This. Bottle opener! Bottle opener! Is that your dad?" Because um, <laughs> that's what he was like. Oh man, is that bottle opener's dad at the end of last session? Uh, what is what is your uh, quote from? What happened? Surely you can beat a two. Last that I didn't crit fail. <laughs> No, it, it's from the last uh, episode that posted. Uh, he can beat a two easy. It's from the the fight with Lillian. And it was right when Brett was, as Sunshine at Night was trying to, like, stunning strike Lillian. And he was adding all the math up. And, I, and Jackie, I think, just heard that, like, the... Er, Jackie made the joke that when he said, oh, and my belt is plus two, they went, oh, you can beat a two easy. <laughs> And it was just the funniest freaking thing. I I died hearing it. I mean, you can hear me laughing like crazy in the episode. But also, I, I've laughed every time since I've heard that. It was just so well delivered. You can beat a two easy. 
as Sunshine, right before Sunshine at Night, you know, hits Lillian four times in a row, fails all the stunning strike blows, and then gets blasted in his 12-second fight with them. My pro- okay, my problem right now is I'm trying to not have this person be a dragonborn, because I feel like that's too on the nose. Oh, wait, I know, I wrote this down. Where did I write this down at? <laughs> Sorry. I have somebody that I was like, okay, this person's going to come in to this episode, and then I've lost where I wrote that down at. Divi's here. There we go. Okay. Oh, I wrote down two different NPC names now that I really like. Um, okay. A is one of them Stewart Stewart here? Stewart is not here. He's still in still Silverbane. Um selling beets and whatnot. Rutabaga. Walking up to you is a six foot six tall, all red hobgoblin. They're wearing silver armor that glistens and like has like a line of moisture from the steam in the air still. Um they have a cape that waves behind them that almost appears to be like finely woven steel layered and designed to look like scales across their back. Uh, on their hip is like a small dagger that looks to be like a stiletto dra- dagger, like, um, you know, very thin, like a piercing dagger more than anything else. And he steps up and bows very briskly to the three of you. And goes, Welcome to the Caldera. I am Aqueous Toxeltricity. You may call me Aqueous. <laughs> um, I thought you'd like the Pokemon reference. Yeah, um, I, and I, I love to- I love Toxel and Toxtricity. Toxel with his little diaper butt. It's the best. Um, <laughs> well met. This place seems... <clears throat> well, I didn't know such a place existed. This is this is fascinating. That is the point of this place, he says. I suppose so. We do not want just anyone wandering in here. And he like side eyes Solaria for a minute and goes, I understand that you are welcome, according to my lord the foundry, he says. And does like a little bow, like genuflex. Toward the foundry, basically. I'd like, I'd like to roll history. See okay. if I recognize the name the foundry from my study of dragons while I was in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you would recognize the name because the librarian kept records on a lot of stuff, but like how much you know is probably going to be determined by this roll. Yeah, it's just a flat roll, I thought so. Hmm. I'll give you... I, I will give you a... Oh, never mind. I won't give you advantage. I rolled a 19. That's a 19. (laughs) A flat 19. Um, Yeah, I I think the reason I was going to give you advantage is because you're an Oath of the Forge paladin. You're a smith yourself. So I think as you're reading through, like, the ancient dragon histories, you probably, like, really connected with reading about the Foundry. I think Gideon probably latched on to, to the Foundry and anything that might be connected to that lore. So I think, uh, I mean, you're the one who created the Foundry in like our, um, in all our stuff. So I kind of feel like you might know more about the Foundry than I do. 
Um, <laughs> well, see, I don't know a lot about what the ancient dragons have been up to in the 700 years since the rising. That's true. There, there's a lot of commingled politics there, but like, uh, you know, what, what we discussed whenever I came up with the foundry is that the foundry has remained very neutral, um, throughout like the politics of the history of the world. Um, he is very like, basically the key word here is ingenuity. Um, if there is a wonderful new creation that somebody has come up with, or, um, you know, people want to come here to be the best like smiths or creators that they can be like a lot of artificers end up here. A lot of, uh, fighters end up here, probably some barbarians, although they are typically less, um, interested in intellectual pursuits. But of course there are people who break the mold, uh, but people who are inventors, creators, people who are looking to hone their craft of smithing, um, of course, anybody who just wanders in, but I imagine that there are people in the caldera, uh, secreted away as it is, who have been here their entire lives, who were born here, raised here, um, and don't know anything but the the caldera. And like Gideon is, he hears the name the Foundry and like is at attention immediately. If he was, you know, if he was a dog, those ears have shot straight up. He is um, deeply invested in what. Um, the rest of what he's about to hear. Um, and I think he is trying to pay attention to the hobgoblin in front of him, but he keep, his eyes keep darting to the massive steel dragon. Um, he, I think Aquius like looks at you and then gestures like, and then he looks at Solaria and gestures and says, why don't you take your dragon friend there? To explore a little bit. He seems very curious. And then I will take Gideon to where he needs to be. May not and be the like, best idea. It, it will be fine. He says. And then like he gestures for you to follow him. And he just starts walking off. And then like Solarian Red. There's like. Red probably says something silly. I mean, I mean it's Brett being Brett. So it's just going to be something goofy. And then he runs off. And Solari has to follow him. Um, and Aquius leads you. Into, like, hmm. He, like, pulls you down the right side of this this gorge, this this ravine, basically. And then pulls you into, or doesn't pull you, but leads you into a, almost a tunnel. And, like, the heat of the forge hits you as you enter this. And then he brings you into a small room that's probably up higher than where you just were and it looks down on the rest of the 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 caldera but there's like a small there's an anvil and all the tools you would need with a forge and everything and he says it's my lord would like to see what you can create um is are i i gideon casts his eyes about are there like metals like ingots here to work with oh yeah there's like all sorts of ingots. Um, there's actually like a, a a pulley system, and Aquius nods to it and says, "Send a note down with what you would like, and from the supply caverns, they will f- fill your need." What exactly are you offering me here? Like, like is is are you giving me the ability to make like a piece of qui- of equipment that I could potentially use? Mm, y- Yes, 
this is so I think Aqueous would Aqueous like says this is to show your skill to the foundry. This is to show what you are able to create. And if he deems it worthy, then maybe he will give it or you his blessing. Create what you can. It does not have to be some great and powerful weapon. It just needs to show you. Okay. My first thought's not very me. <laughs> that means blunt, utilitarian, and effective at what it does, if simple. Um, Can we get, like, a, a picture of, like, what... Does Gideon, like, stand there just thinking? Or does he start getting, like, tolls ready and, like, maybe... You're he's, wearing your he's armor. already moving about. I imagine there's a leather apron. Yeah, so do you... You know, nearby, I am I am wearing heavy armor. Um, Does he take it off? I think he doffs his yeah. heavy armor. Yeah, I think he doffs his heavy armor, uh, which I think takes a full 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> Two small kobolds and, come in uh, and start helping you take off your armor. Which is helpful, because there are some straps, like, on the back, yeah. like, <laughs> at, like, the shoulder joints that are really, really hard to get a hold of if you don't have help. Um, and Gideon's not as flexible as he used to be. Um but uh, so yeah, he doffs his armor, um, ties his hair back with uh, a headband. If there are maybe some leather strips nearby, that's what he ties his hair back with. Mm-hmm. Um, dons a, le- a leather apron, puts on some leather gloves that go up, you know, to, the, to about just, like, past the wrist. Um, inspects the the tools, gets a hammer, gets some tongs. Um, you know, inspects the water barrel, makes sure that there's enough water uh, he is fairly sure that you know whatever supplies he needs they're, they're going to be ready for him but um just kind of does what he would normally do in a forge um you know stokes stokes the flame um of the um i guess it's a furnace that you would use for like the actual heating of of the metal just make sure everything's nice and, and hot um and um this is where my knowledge of metallurgy, <laughs> or lack thereof, rather, is would really come back to to, to hurt me. I think we've got the image of um, like you going through the smithing motions, and maybe you even lose yourself a little bit in it. Um, do you have? It's more like what materials I would use. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I there's obviously a... composite steel isn't really something that's going to exist in this world. We don't have the technology. Um, for it, although maybe maybe we do here in the caldera, but Gideon wouldn't know how to do it. Um, I mean, if you think about but like, like that, I mean, you think about the magic ability to possibly help make composite steel. Um, true, smithing wizards that would be able to do that type of thing. I mean, think of it like the um, the Ashaman and Perrin when he's creating his hammers or his his. And yes, it's uh, who is it that's just pouring. I uh, discovers a talent for it, pouring um, the power into the hand. Yeah, I don't remember which Ashaman it is, but I remember that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so is it Narishma? I want to say it's it Narishma. might be. Yeah, I think Nar- uh, Narishma sounds right, but <laughs> it's been a while since I've read it, and there's so many Ashaman that are mentioned all the time that it's hard to remember. 
half of them, half of the ones you already know are dead because they've gone mad at that point yeah. anyway. Um, but, um, but you know who isn't? Hmm. And that, uh, oh no, his name has eluded me and he's like a top five character for Andrew? me. The Leathersmith. Yes, thank you, Edril. He is the he best. He's so good. Um, but, <laughs> He's uh, one of my favorite too. Uh, no, but um, and I love that he's already a little bit mad. He won't get any matter, but he's already a little. Yeah, bit just mad. A, just you enough. See that in his perspective, it's so good. Uh, I, Narishma, uh, but, um, Narishma was with Rand. He was one of Rand's companions like the entire time. So don't. I'm gonna have to Google who. Oh, now it's gonna drive me nuts. We don't need to know this, but hey. Who helped P Perrin forge? First in Ashamont and then two Ace to die. Yeah, but who? Neil and Grady. Was it Grady? Grady is the uh the two is Grady the two riversman? Maybe. I mean that that would make sense since it was the whole Perrin was the whole two rivers guy. Neild, I can help you. So it was Neild who really helped Perrin. Neil, what are you doing? The I don't know. Like, how do you know yeah. to do this? He's like, I don't know, but I know, I know that I need. Grady's to do this. like, Neil, Neil, what are you doing? And Neil reply, I don't know. It feels right. Someone literally put this entire scene in a comment on Reddit. Um, <laughs> it literally it's because it's a wonderful. Oh, it's scene. so good. The formatting came out averagely. Yeah, it's a very good scene. It's such a. But anyways, yeah. So, so there could definitely be composite type steel. Um, I th I do want to add. It's. I do want to add one element that you might be able to that I'm trying to think of how to a, a material that you have on you that you could use in this forging that might be like a useful thing and it is a stone about the size like it would fit hmm it would fit on like a necklace or something probably three to four inches and it's a sapphire stone. It's very bright blue and just glistens. Looks like it's worth a lot of money. And Gideon would have this. And I think it would be something that would be very useful to put in a magic item right now. Um, okay, thanks. Uh, that's obviously a trail of breadcrumbs there. Uh, is this... I hmm? Much like Gandalf, I have no memory of this. But without the place. Uh, is this something I know I have on me? No, this is me realizing that I forgot something from three sessions ago that I decided that I'm going to do as a flashback at some point. Okay. Um, you, I which think will probably be tonight. Like, it's not, it's not the, um, it's not, I don't think Gideon would consider it a specialty of his, most of his um, work at the Forge is, is more utilitarian and less delicate than making uh, well, he's got he's got experience helping his father with his chronometers, so there is he does have some of the delicate um, handiwork. Honestly, the first thing that went to my mind was a mall. Mm. Um, but um, okay, uh, I think he takes some ironing it. Don't you oxidize iron? as part of the process of making it steel. I don't know this. It's that's too specific. Yeah. We don't need to get too he, specific. He is essentially using, he is, he is essentially using steel and crafting a bracer. Mm. Um, he is leaving like rivets, like inlays within it 
that he is then melting gold and pouring it in there. So it's like it's it, it the steel is very polished to almost like a mirror surface reflection. Uh, not quite a mirror surface reflection. It's dulled because it's steel, but it's very polished, very um, bright, and it is inlaid with gold and almost like glyph-like runes. Um, I don't know if that is what dwarven text looks like, but in my mind, dwarven, as it's written, kind of has a runic look to oh, yeah. it, if that makes sense. Very angular, uh, you know, corners, uh, not a flowing script. Mm-hmm. Um and um, also leaves. What shape is the the sapphire? Uh, like, is it an emerald cut? Is it like a teardrop? I think it's more of a teardrop. Ovular. Okay. Leaves a teardrop inlay to work that sapphire into the bracer. Uh, this is fitted for his. I want to say his like forearm, like maybe like six inches below the shoulder. So like you know his well his really his bicep. Yeah. Um, and, um, works away at it, um, gets lost in the work. I think he's probably working on this for hours, really, before he even really realizes. Um, I think at some point Red comes in and tries to speak to him, but even Red's curiosity and questioning can't break Gideon out of his reverie as he's working, and so Red drifts back away to do something more interesting. Unless we want him to be um, your Neeld and he breathes draconic fire into your forge. <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> um, it would be actually a lot of fun in a session like this for Brett to hear this session and you guys record what Red is doing. And in like moments like this, you could even splice in the, aud- oh, yeah, <laughs> the audio. That would be good. Um, but um, very, very befitting of Red's personality, too. But uh, so so Gideon is making this bracer. Uh, you know, it's quite large um, as far as um, arm jewelry, which is a weird thing to say. Goes. Yeah, so um, I was looking up words for what like your bicep armor would be called. And it would it's it could be part of a pauldron, but it also be a rear brace. R.E.R.E. Brace. So, a rare brace, it's R-E-R-E, and then brace is the, like, part that goes over the bicep. So it's like a rear bracer, basically, is what it's considered. So that's kind of interesting. Um, okay. Because you're put... These are more like the bracers that we've seen in, like, Diablo 3. Um. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking more, almost like armlet style but i like the bigger like it's going to cover basically his entire bicep oh, yeah uh it's large enough that's good um and um on it in dwarven reads the sapphire the teardrop shaped sapphire is dead center where it will be facing uh away from his body outward and flanking or uh framing it Above and below it, in Dwarven script, it reads, trust your bonds, and underneath, forge your fate. Hmm. Uh, And that is inlaid in, like, gold in Dwarven script. Nice. Make a constitution saving throw for me. I am within ten feet of myself, (laughs) so I get that plus (laughs) four. you are. (laughs) Unless you're astrally projecting yourself kind of right now. 
Which, I mean, hey, out-of-body experience when you're crafting something like this, maybe. Plus seven, three. That is a 16 plus seven, 23. Nice. All right. Um, I think you, you finish this, and you look around, and Red is curled up in the, like, the fire pit of the forge as you finish this, this rear brace. Now that I know the word, I get to use it all the time. Um, every session, I'm going to ask you how your rear brace is doing. Um... <laughs> And I think, like, it's exactly how you pictured it when you are starting to build it, make it. And then, like, Aquius comes in and nods. And he goes, are you, you're ready to see my lord? Gideon has the rear brace wrapped in. Uh, it's cooled. Um, it's been hours at this point that he's been working. Um, he's in you know, what his garb that he wears underneath his armor, just very simple, um, probably like linens. Um, and, uh, you know, is, is, is covered with the, the grime of working in the forge, probably not unlike most of the people here, um, and has the rear brace wrapped in, in linen in his hands, holding it in two hands, and nods at Aquius. He guides you down another set of tunnels, and then you come out around the, next to the giant pit and a the steel form of... These tunnels, are they rough-hewn? Yes, they are rough. Are they... Okay. They're very... They're, like, they were dug out of the rock, but then never, like... They didn't put extra stuff on it. It was... They're not, like, proper finished no, tunnels. No, they're utilitarian, basically. They're... Like, they're sturdy, and they're well-made, but they're not, like, we're, we're not going to put any extra effort into making these nice and clean and shiny. I'm reading up real quick on what Steel Dragons are like. Um, <laughs> Steel Dragons are fun dragons. Like, they were much more social than other dragons, so they tend to, usually they tend to live in cities and stuff. And then they're, like, amiable and curious and kind of witty. Supposedly, according to the, the Forgotten Realms wiki, basically. Um, their faces are extremely expressive. So when you, like, walk out, you see this giant head. Probably, like, two to three times your size. Like, torn to you. Torn, turn, wow. Turn towards you. And, like, there's just a hint of... Hmm. There's a like a hint of contemplativeness basically on the face, like they're thinking of something as they turn towards you. And then just a, a hint of approval as they like let a little smile on their face seem to form. And then Aqueous like bows and goes, My lord, I present to you Gideon Morningstar of Um And he like hesitates. And turns towards you. I think Gideon um, drops like his left knee and bows, uh, basically perpendicular. Um, yeah, I guess bows almost at a right angle, like from you know his his torso where he's kind of bent over and um, comes back up to meet the steel dragon's eyes and says. This is truly an honor. I've read about you. 
I didn't dare think I would ever. I find myself a bit overwhelmed to be in your presence. Gideon Morningstar. His voice, he, he's quiet, but no, he speaks as if he's speaking quietly, but because he is the foundry, his voice rings out and probably fills you with like a, like a bass vibration in your bones. And you feel as if you have not left the side of the forge as the fire, the fires of like his words, like flow over you and he goes paladin of moradin you do him honor it is i who am honored to serve and to work the forge and to create not only items befitting of my god but to forge bonds wherever i go I think Aqueous like gestures toward your like your your rear brace and like like nods toward the foundry. Gideon unwraps the rear brace um, and lets the linen fall over his hands, holding it in two hands, and lifts it up and presents it to the foundry. It is also an honor to use your forge and your tools and your materials. I have truly never had so grand a workstation, even in its simplicity, in my time practicing my craft. He listens to you as he eyes the, the rear brace, and then he his head moves towards you, and as it does, it's almost like his entire body shifts, and in front of you stands um a tall steel dragonborn that is wearing full armor head to toe unornamental and functional but extremely regal it probably gives you a little bit of a vibe of air fog kind of they have the same vibe a little bit and he takes the rear brace from you and like looks he basically runs his hands and eyes over it and then he slides it onto his onto his own arm as if it was made for him and he closes his eyes for a second. This is well made. Gideon shifts from his kneeling position and is is standing before him. He he puts a covered hand to the rear brace. It's funny because he's fully armored, but somehow this rear brace still went up his like gauntleted arms and everything, and fits perfectly to his bicep. As if there wasn't already armor there. And then, like, he flexes and puts his hand on it. And it glows brightly for a second. And then it is back in your hands. And all of a sudden, he is back in dragon form. And he goes, Would you serve me as you have served Moradin? (sighs) Gideon ponders that question. For a moment and stares into the eyes of the massive steel dragon in front of him. What is it that you would... There is nothing in serving you that would disavow my oath that I have taken to Morden. Morden and I are like-minded. It has been 
nigh a millennia since I spoke with him, but I am sure that he would not mind you surfing with me. And, like, his his draconic face smiles slightly. Gideon takes his right hand, uh, balls it into a fist, and claps it over his left breast, over his heart, and in a salute to the foundry, and says... It would be my honor. He nods, which I guess with a dragon head as big as his, his whole head just moves down. And he says, you may ask of me one boon. What would you have? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I almost texted you this morning when I decided this. And then I was like, no, I want to surprise him with this. I don't want to give him the time to think about it. I want to be like, yeah. <laughs> I would ask for the the ability to protect those who need protecting. He nods again and says, so be it. And then he turns his head away and Aquius like gestures for you to follow him again. Gideon follows Aquius away he casts a glance over his shoulder as he's walking towards his uh, his new master his new lord um, his new uh in awe of his tremendous size um, and follows aqueous his new horde donor um <laughs> that's right i think the the rear brace feels warm to your touch and does not seem to cold and when you look at it there above it above where like your runes and the the sapphire was is the a small like it's a hammer but it's almost in a draconic form like the body is the handle and the wings are the like front and back of the hammer and it's just the symbol of the foundry. And it glows a little bit. And then as you walk away with this, we're going to flash back to Duskshear. Probably like a week or two ago. I don't remember how long we said it was. And it's the... That's probably about yeah, right. A couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. And then it's the night. It's probably a few hours after Sunshine at Night's fight with Lillian. And he's, you know, he's passed out in an inn somewhere. And... I heard the air quotes around five. <laughs> and, um, you and Haas have gotten a room in this inn when there's a knock at the door and a young half-elf woman who was with, uh, who was with Orvina steps into the room. And I think Haas might, like, take a step because Jackie's not here so Haas like takes a just nods to you and like steps out of the room for a few um and there's just this like awkward silence as Ada or as as this half elf (laughs) as this half elf come on I know who this is enters the room and she looks at you and like you like got vague feelings of like 
like you knew who she was when you were in the longhouse talking to everybody, but it was definitely not anything solid. I mean, it's been like 15 years. What has it been like 15? It's been 15 years. Mm -hmm. How young was she whenever I saw her with, um, I think Evermist is that yep. right? Uh, six or seven. General General Evermist. So she's in her like mid twenties right now. She was six or seven years yeah. old. She's in her early. Okay, so she has changed. Quite yes. A bit. Oh yeah. Okay. She was a child. Child when you met them, like she was old enough to walk around and talk and stuff. And I think she did. I don't. I didn't listen to that, so I don't remember. But she was definitely there, and you definitely saw her once. But it was like a very. Yeah, she was a child, and you were meeting with general ever missed in the middle of a war zone basically the neutral zone but still a war zone so she's standing here like it's awkward yes like a stale silence yes her hair is blonde right now and she's wearing like just regular almost just regular leathers it doesn't look like armor or anything just kind of like a just casual leathers basically i feel as though you have me at a disadvantage you seem to know who i am and have business with me well you were introduced in the longhouse she says not quite meeting your gaze and like she moves around the room a little bit almost as if she's checking everything in it (laughs) yes i saw you in the longhouse but something's tickling at the back of my at the back of my mind that's not even that wasn't the first time. What was it? That wasn't the first time that we met. She looks at you and goes, I know an old companion of yours. He came to visit my mother and I a few times and before I left. She like hesitates and then she says, before I left El and I do know that this is where General and the Lady Evermist yes. were from. And you sent E.B. there to check on her at one point. Um, I think this is when realization dawns on Gideon. And he tries not to have much of a reaction. I think he slowly blinks a couple of times. Was he introduced? Was he told Ada's name? I think they, at, they, the uh, at the meeting, she was na- na- called Anna. Um, Gideon says quietly or at which meeting sorry the meeting with Evermish I don't remember if her name was ever said the meeting earlier this same day it was Anna so I don't remember if they ever said her name okay. 15 years ago I think oh well I think you uh, had you had EB check up on Dahlia and and her daughter so I feel like you would I think you wouldn't know that her name was Ada then so then Gideon says quietly Ada she like she picks up something Uh, off one of the the stands in the room and like fidgets with it a little bit and then nods and then looks away you knew she pauses and then like she squares up a little bit and looks at you a little bit more firmly and goes I'm here for two reasons she says one is because I'd like to know 
if you were responsible for my father's death. Two, because of the elf you traveled with before. And like, as she says... Gideon was expecting that first question. <laughs> she, As she says the second question, her hand goes to, like, uh, goes to her, like, the nape of her neck, and, like, she pulls out a necklace a little bit and fidgets, fidgets with it for a second. And she looks at you expecting an answer. <laughs> Gideon, his, his face is deeply sad. And he looks her dead in the eyes and says, I cannot, I cannot be more sorry for what happened to your father. It is true we only had that one meeting, shared that one meal, but he and I were kindred spirits. I expected to have more time and opportunity getting to know him and hopefully building a bridge between our nations. The last thing that I wanted was for any harm to come to him or your mother or you. The men who performed that action did so without any knowledge of mine. I had no idea. I raced to your camp to see what was going on. And in, in the ensuing melee, I was stricken and knocked unconscious and without my aide to comp EB. I don't know what would have happened to me. I have done everything in my power to honor the conversation that your father and I had that day. But the Commonwealth is... It isn't my home anymore. And it's not changing the way that I would like for it to. But no, I had nothing to do with that. I hope you can believe me. Make a persuasion roll. Uh, I have advantage on this because of my boon, right? That you gave me. Like, don't I have advantage on persuasion? Sure. <laughs> I think, I like, it was right after you'd given Hoskell something of a similar... Um, I know I was going to give you something for persuasion. I just don't remember if it was just straight up advantage on persuasion rolls or if it was... Uh, something maybe to do with like against like military personnel or fighting forces or something like that persuasion regarding those I won't make it with advantage okay I get a plus 8 I'd really like for this one to go well that is a 9 plus 8 17 I give you expertise 21 so I get the world has given you expertise on persuasion-based ro roles, and in military encounters, even if you fail the role, you'll have a free action to take before anyone else can move. That's what I gave you. Let me go ahead and fix that on here, because that makes my persuasion bonus a 12. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so that's a 9 plus 12, 21. Okay, yeah. Um, she looks away and nod, like nods to herself a little bit. She says, My mother didn't believe that you actually had something to do with it. She trusted my father's instincts with you, but I needed to look you in the eyes when you told me yourself. Though it could have been a little bit less long, she says, and like smirks a little bit at you. 
Yes, I I get that a lot. Gideon allows himself to smile wryly. She she nods. You would have. Yes, you and my father had that alike. I heard. Now, I know it seems odd to say we knew each other such a brief time, but I do miss your father. He was a good man. Um, regarding your other inquiry, I can only assume that you mean Theron? She nods. Yeah, that elf. Where where is he? Did she spit the words like that? A little bit, yeah. Where is he? Uh, I think <laughs> Gideon chuckles just a little bit. Uh, he understands that. Um, <laughs> I think everybody who knows Theron would say that. Uh, <laughs> he's he's back on Killstar. He's back in the Covenant. The Covenant, she says, with a frown. Why would his father sent two very talented mercenaries to retrieve him? It seems he has plans for him. I do not remember if she knows who Theron actually is. I don't think she does. So I might have to retcon it, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't know who Theron actually was. And she she looks at you and goes, his father? He always... His father was just, like, a simple merchant or something, was he not? How much does Gideon know here? I feel like Gideon doesn't know the whole story. I don't remember what Theron... I think Theron told you... No, we, yeah. had, we had a conversation. Yeah. We had a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, he told you... Because um, you guys basically bullied him into telling you once a Narian and a Shadow... Yeah, dragged yep. it out of him. <laughs> bullied. Con- you persuaded him. His father... Is the head of a noble house. Rock. It seemed his father thought that he had a responsibility. Fasha. She starts. A she starts swearing in Elvish. <laughs> Just every swear uh, word you've ever heard Theron say in the campaign, she's now saying. Saivasha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what motherfucker uh, is. I think it's just Saivasha. I think that was motherfucker. I thought I had it in my notes somewhere. Having to keep track of all of Brett. Yep, there we go. My language section. Saivasha is motherfucker. Yep, she says Saivasha. How how long have you known Theron? A while, she says. (sighs) I'm so sorry. I knew him in Winchester. We were part of the... We were part of a... A family there, she says. Until our last job went wrong. And then she touches her necklace again and then like reaches behind her and pulls it off. And she so- shows you a necklace. It's very simple leather cord. And at its end is a teardrop shaped sapphire that seems to glisten in the night. The sapphire job was supposed to be all we needed to survive. And we were supposed to be done after this. And then we got it. There's nothing more dangerous than a last job. Job. She looks at it and says, Once I had it in my hands, I knew it could not be handed over to our boss. And I had to run as far as I could. And I didn't think Theron would be able to run with me. 
I was always the faster of the two of us, and she smiles slightly. I'm sorry. If I had it my way, he would be here. I don't want to see him. She says and turns away. I think she... It seems you were fond of him. What she happened? walks to like the window and opens it and nods to Haas, who's like hanging outside the window listening to all this. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> either Haas... And who probably has something to Haas say. Haas would either be hanging out the side of the window listening to this, or Haas would have probably gotten gone and gotten a drink while waiting for Gideon to finish this conversation and just trusted Gideon to tell them afterwards, probably. Um... She looks out the window and turns and <laughs> tosses you the necklace. Make a dexterity <laughs> a dexterity saving throw. Don't make me do that. <laughs> nah, I'll let you just catch it. Fine, I'll, I mean, I'll do it. I mean, I already have the sapphire. It's just a matter of whether or not the necklace breaks. It's a leather necklace. It's more about whether you just fumble it or not, honestly. It's more for the flavor, Carson. Cool check. It's, it's a, a cool, cool check. check. Are you cool enough for this? Ooh, that's a 13 plus 3 16 thank god for my aura i was about to say man you don't have any decks but at least your aura saves you um okay so you catch it it's nothing fancy but you catch the the sapphire and she looks at you and goes when i got that it told me it was a key to something i don't know what but it told me it told me to keep it safe there was a voice, and she, like, shakes her head. I knew I couldn't stay with Theron once I heard heard the Sapphire talk to me. And then... But the voice has gone silent since I've been in Duskshire. Just since you've been in Duskshire? I've been here for a while, she says. Is that to get away from the voice? Is that why you've stayed here? No. Not... I thought this was the safest place for it, and so even if it didn't speak anymore... I didn't see a reason to travel to hope it spoke to me again. Maybe I... Maybe... I thought maybe it would... It would... She... She, she like, so this, turns and goes, Maybe it it's safe here, and so it didn't need to speak anymore. So this is not precisely how this feature works, but I've also never used it. I feel like this is a potentially cool use of it. Could I use Divine Sense? The Paladin feature... Hmm. And study this sapphire? Sure. Would you like me to read what this does? Yeah, read it real quick. The presence of strong evil registers on your senses like a uh, noxious odor, and powerful good rings like heavenly music in your ears. As an action, you can open your awareness to to detect such forces. Until the end of your next turn, you know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet of you, and that is not behind total cover. You know, the type, Celestial Fiend or Undead, or any being whose presence you sense, but not its identity, like if it was a specific evil creature like uh, Strahd. Mm-hmm. Within the same radius, you also detect the presence of any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated, as with the Hallow spell. <laughs> oh, when you said the Vampire Count Strahd, I thought you were just saying that as an example. I didn't realize it was actually in the text, but... Um, man, I'm trying to decide. You get a ping, like an echo of 
something in this crystal. Oh, man. Hmm. Is it good or bad? I think it... I, we'll say it's good. Um, Maybe a little bit good, neutral. Um, It's not evil. It's definitely not evil. What here is evil, there's nothing here that's evil. Depending on your sense of evil. Ada might come off as a little evil sometimes, maybe. But that's just because she's a rogue. Um, and all rogues are slightly evil in some way or another. Um... <laughs> I think at the very least chaotic. Yeah, I think you get a very strong draconic sense from this crystal to begin with. Um, but you don't hear anything or feel anything special in it. It's it's not a portal stone, so you don't get like a portal stone type feeling from it. It's something else and you don't exactly know what it is. But you know there's something weird about it. Was there a a, a place that the voice rang through more clearly? She <laughs> um she said she says when I was in Silverbane for a small period of time it seemed almost as if it seems almost as if it it was close. It felt closer than any other time. But I couldn't stay there long. And so I... the Gideon at the Caldera a shiver runs up his spine. <laughs> Thank you this i hope this is relieving you of a concern um but i i can't help but feel like this meeting of ours is faded to a certain extent she nods she says it's it has to be for you to end up here and to have traveled with Theron for a while. And she, like, she looks away again, and then has he, has he grown up at all? I, th I think his last act was selfless. Well, that's, that's new. Thank you, Gideon, she says. And then she leaps out the window. Because <laughs> she's a rogue. And she, like, she, like, p throws herself around the windowsill and, like, climbs up onto the roof and, like, runs along the roof of this inn that you're in. And then disappears into the night. And probably Haskell comes in after that and you guys talk or whatever. Uh, Gideon probably goes down to the bar to join Haskell yeah. for a drink. And you have your drink and... Then you go back up, and then you wake up the next day, and Haskell's gone. What a fucking night! <laughs> and now you're you're walking behind Aquius in the caldera, and he leads you away, and he says, "You and your companions can stay here as long as you would like. I know you have somewhere to be, but it did. I it did only am not allowed by circumstance to stay as long as I would like." It did only take you two days to craft that, he says, <laughs> pointing toward your rear brace. Uh, I think Gideon's eyes go wide. <laughs> you get uh, his red still curled up. Yeah, in the he bar. like guides you back to that forge and Red's like laying there and he goes, Red like looks at you and goes, are you finally done? 
God, it's been so boring for the last day. <laughs> I would think there would be any number of uh, interesting ways you could entertain yourself. I've already explored all the tunnels. And they, Impressive. They won't let me fly, and Solaria won't fight me anymore. Did you win? Yeah, he says. He's lying. <laughs> I roll inside. Um, yes, I am. I am done. Um, but first, and Gideon puts the rear brace on his arm. I think you're already attuned to it because you made it. So I don't think you need to do any sort of like maybe putting it on is like the final link in the chain as it connects to you. Um, and I think the first thing that you notice is like this feeling of it's heat. Like it feels like your arm is next to the forge and it might be a little unbearable at times. It almost seems too much, but at the same time it is comforting. And then like you feel this rush of power and the jewel all of a sudden glistens and you feel you feel a need from it. Like almost like it's wanting you to take it somewhere. Do I feel pulled in a certain direction? Mm-hmm. You pull you feel pulled south. And where do I know Silverbane as being in correlation to where I am? Uh, it's a little bit fuzzy, probably south southwest. Okay. Um this so the caldera, I've decided, like when we originally designed the caldera, we were we put it basically in the, uh, I think we we it was further east. It was yeah, we called it. It's in the crotch further east. Than- <laughs> it's the crotch of the pine cone. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what I decided to call it because I'm a silly kid. Um, but it was on the eastern side, closer to Bolmar and Womburn. And sometimes it's probably over on that side of the mountains, but this time it was where it needed to be because dragon magic is kind of weird. And I like to make a lot of weird magic in this world that does stuff that's not quite whatever. Um, so yeah, maybe south, southeast. Actually, probably I'm like looking at the map now and where I ha- where I think you guys are. It's probably actually west. It's It's pulling you westward, southwest. Not east. I don't know why I said east. It's pulling you southwesternly from where you are. Um, okay. Um, and that's the major. Unless you have anything you want to do, we can just we can just kind of discuss your item now and yeah, call it. Um. So I'm gonna give you two things with it. And you can pick a, thor- a third. <laughs> oh, wow. One. You have a one day of use of a radiant breath attack. Oh, oh shit. Um, 30 foot cone? 30 foot cone. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a dexterity saving throw for the people who are in it, of course, based off your spellcasting bonus or you know modifier and everything. Okay. Um, it is radiant. It's a sixteen now, I think. Wow. And it is um. Hmm. Do I want it to be as strong as this? I think it's eight d six radiant damage. It's basically the same amount of damage as like lightning bolt or fireball or anything like that. But 
It's radiant damage. You just shoot a freaking arc of radiant light at your enemies. And that's just once per day. Right. I almost gave you the recharge trait that, you know, breath weapons usually have nowadays. But I decided that might be a... I don't know. Do you think a... Do you think a recharge six would be OP? Does that what does that mean exactly? So recharge, you roll at the start of your turn, or yeah, the start of your turn, and if you roll it, you roll a d six, and if you get a six, your breath. And if I roll a six, it's recharge. Yes. Um. So like, let's just do once a day. Yeah, once a. I've, I've got I've got a lot of resources. Yeah, that's. I, am, I was kinda... We probably won't get in combat enough for that to really be just <laughs> super relevant. I don't. I don't want to just spam it. So. Mm-hmm. Um. um. I mean, it could be crazy where you need to roll a, a D, you know, if you roll a six, sometimes maybe it would be a good thing to have, um, but at the same time, maybe not. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll go with the once a day, and then if we decide that maybe it'd be fun to roll a D6 just to see if sometimes it recharges, maybe we'll do that. Um, the second thing is disarming words that you get three times a day. When a creature that the speaker can see within 60 feet of it makes a damage roll, the the speaker can roll a d6 and subtract the number rolled from that damage roll. So basically, you re- reduce damage three times a day to an ally. Is this a reaction? Yes. And I think that kind of really goes along with the whole asking to help protect your friends and stuff like you did. So when an, when an enemy makes an attack roll and it's a hit... As a reaction, I can roll a d6 yeah, and try if, to reduce it to be a miss. Yeah, basically, anytime anybody rolls a damage roll, whether it's friend or foe, you can roll a d6 and subtract it. It's not a miss, it's just oh, less it, damage. It the, it's damage roll. It's from the damage yep. itself. Yep. Cool. Well, that stacks with my aura to be pretty effective. Yeah, I thought that was a really good thing to have, with, especially when you asked for the you know the ability to help protect your allies and stuff, basically. It's, it's obviously very Gideon. Yep. Fits well. Um... One of these things is from the Dragonborn Champions in Fizzbins. The breath we- the radiant breath weapon is from the Dragonborn of Bahamut, which is of course the the, the dragon god of the steel of like metallic dragons. And then the other one is from the Dragon Followers, and this is a dragon speaker. Overall, the dragon speakers aren't like crazy good. Like, you know, they're not a hard thing was- to beat, but it's a really cool skill. What was the range of the of the disarming words effect. 60 feet. You said I could pick a third. Yes. Uh, obviously like third effect. Okay. Yeah, obviously nothing <laughs> extremely too powerful. Like we'll we'll workshop it. I don't care if it's like something that's not an actual ability or if it's an ability you think that goes along with these kind of in the draconic line. Uh yeah, I mean, we'll mull it over. You and I'll talk about it. Yeah. I may have an answer for you tomorrow. Okay, cool. That works for me. Uh, do you have a name for this? I do not. I don't have a name for it. Um, I kind of figured you could also either come up with that or we could workshop it. Um, it is it is Gideon's item he made. So okay, I'll I'll see if I can't come up with a um the name for it too. I, I think I have some ideas to play off of already. So yeah, and the Sapphire doesn't technically have a name either. It was just known as the Sapphire. Well, so. This session has turned out to be everything I was hoping it would be and more. <laughs> kind of works that Brett wasn't here, because that means we didn't have to do any side red shit. We could just concentrate on Gideon, and I really like that. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Gideon exclusive sessions tend to be a little bit more um, focused and straightforward yeah. um, and a little more dramatic than silly. I don't think Gideon doesn't have his moments. Yeah. But, um, it was... It- it it's fun and i i enjoyed this a lot that's why when it was like oh this is going to be more exposition i'm like well i want it to be different i want it to be less just like talking to somebody about what's going on and that's why like even the foundry's interaction wasn't going to be that long because i didn't want it to be some drawn out you know like the conversation with the librarian where he hints at a bunch of stuff or says a bunch gives you a bunch of info or like dusk shear where you just had a lot of talks with a lot of people this was much more Gideon doing what Gideon does, and how how would you feel about um, the third quality of this bracer being a bonus action? Because I've got the action breath, I've got the reaction. Oh yeah, damage reduction. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, and honestly, first thing that came to my mind is like holding it over my head and like in a ten foot radius around me, uh, once per day, uh, on a I guess a Constitution saving throw. Anybody within a 10-foot radius of me would be blinded. Ooh, I like that a lot. That goes really well with the radiant breath. And yeah, that, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. That's good. And we'll do that once a day as well. Um, what do you think? So we have a radiant breath, a blinding light, and then disarming words. I'm trying to think of what this should be called. Oh, I keep thinking about it. I'll keep thinking about it as well. I've got... Um, I might look up some words that are related to forge and foundry and things like that and see if there's anything that sticks out to me. Um, Disarming blinder. No. Um, ooh, that's fun. I don't think that works for this. Will for willful blindness. That's not really an item name, though, but that's a fun thing. Yeah, we'll think about it. We can throw it to the group even. This was good. This was a good session. I'm going to stop recording now. I guess we could do, I mean, do you want to do end of session questions? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, let me go find them, even though I don't know why. So what was the coolest moment Gideon had? What was your favorite character <sighs> moment, basically? Wait, no, this um, is... No. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, what's the, what's the other one that's similar to this one? There's the, your favorite. There's your favorite thing that happened or coolest thing that happened this session, and then your favorite character moment. Which I mean, both with it just being you, it could it's both. They're going to be Gideon things for the most part, but yeah, I mean they definitely are. But character moment and favorite thing that happened are actually pretty easily distinguishable yeah. in this episode. I should say I sh- um, instead of character in for me, instead of character, it should be what was your favorite role playing moment. Or best role playing moment, um, and that was um, Gideon's admittedly long winded, <laughs> uh, I guess, apology and explanation to Ada. I very much picture Ada like fidgeting and moving around the room the whole time you're doing this, basically, like looking away and like, I, <laughs> like very much like, okay, he's still talking and like not wanting to interrupt. Gideon's but played also, this moment over a lot yeah. in his mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and Ada's a little bit like Theron, so she probably, like, she doesn't know you well enough to really be uh, harsh or anything, but it was still like, oh, why is he going so long? 
it's Louise and Bob's Burgers talking to Tina. Why do you talk so slow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. What was the best moment of the, what was your favorite moment of the session? Meeting the foundry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just everything regarding the foundry, like forging the forging the bracer, um, meeting the foundry and agreeing to work for the foundry and Gideon if Gideon wasn't such a dutiful person then he would spend a lot of time in the caldera if he oh, were yeah. allowed <clears throat> I could see him um, finishing his duty and then trying and then going back to the caldera or something in it in the future I could see that being his retirement years depending on what happens in the future yeah I mean I think there's a world in which he goes and retrieves his parents from the Commonwealth and brings his father back here as well. Oh, because yeah. surely his father would would both be welcome and feel welcome in this place that celebrates ingenuity and craftsmanship. Um, Ari just came out and instead of going to lay down with Sheena in the bedroom, he's now sitting on the couch. Um, so we'll do this last question real quick. How do you feel the session went overall? Loved it. Loved every moment of it. Yeah, this was a fun oh, it was one. Wonderful. I enjoyed it a lot. What I'm not looking forward to, yeah, though, is Mr. Dice suddenly giving me the cold shoulder tomorrow. Now that I'll be playing with Jackie again, at least that will be less harmful to you than if it gave you the cold shoulder the next session we have with Brett. Because, hmm. Well, you told us to, we needed these these two levels back to back pretty quickly. I I didn't. I assumed we had some some big stuff coming up um and you did also just give me what is far and away the most powerful item that i have at my disposal that's also like uh, your, i mean other than your adamantine armor you haven't gotten anything to so uh, i've got my my plane yeah but that's like that's kind of a Adventuring Dimwits and Hyperactive Dragons is brought to you by a bunch of friends who decided to record their sessions just for the heck of it. Check out our Facebook and Tumblr at Adventuring Dimwits. To check out more of the world and our text-based adventures, join our Discord server. The link is in the episode description. Music provided by Parker Hyde, and I'm Orion, the DM. Catch you later!